Today we are going to be reading from Acts 6, and it's found on page 1700 in your pew Bible, Acts 6, verse 8, till chapter 7, verse 16. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the province of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified. This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Then the high priest asked him, Are these charges true? To this he replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even a foot of ground. But God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land, even though at that time Abraham had no child. God spoke to him in this way. Your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, God said, and afterward they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. Then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. And Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of twelve patriarchs. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Then a famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering, and our fathers could not find food. When Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our fathers on their first visit. On their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent for his father Jacob and his whole whole family, 75 in all. Then Jacob went down to Egypt, where he and our fathers died. 
Their bodies were brought back to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamor at Shechem for a certain sum of money. Thank you, Cora. Here we find the story of Joseph in the account of, of Stephen, the deacon in the New Testament church. And so we are going to reflect on how that story of Joseph speaks to us about Jesus Christ. Our text is in relation to, uh, to Joseph, uh, verse uh, 9 and 10, that they sold him as a slave into Egypt, his brothers, uh, the patriarchs, but God was with him, rescued him from all his troubles, gave Joseph wisdom, enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Uh, people of God, friends, good to be together here reflecting on God's word again and to be encouraged by it. We had a great week with Vacation Bible School. We had all the kids running around and singing the songs that you've heard. All the songs this morning are from Vacation Bible School. And just reflecting on the life of Joseph. Uh, Luke Patterson did an excellent job telling the story, and the kids were really just engaged in what God was doing in the life of Joseph. And they, they could tell it back to you too. How is Joseph today, and what has God done in his life? And Kids would be telling you back, oh, Joseph's in prison, and we had a prison downstairs, and then Joseph's in the palace, and we had a room done up as a palace, and they were really engaged in what God was doing in Joseph's life, and then we could say, God is at work in your life, and then these are all the God sightings that the kids shared in terms of God being at work in their lives, so they had to write down, what's God doing in your life? And so they shared that, and we put that on the wall, and we gave thanks. So the story of Joseph speaking into our lives, things of hope, first of all, in the struggles, uh, affirming special abilities, as Joseph could interpret dreams, and we all have special abilities, uh, recognizing, too, just the wisdom of God through his word to Joseph and through God's word to us. We recognize that. And then the forgiving grace of God, which we touched on earlier already in this service, and finally, the gift of family, that Joseph had his family back, and that we too are called together as the family of faith. So all of those things spoke beautifully into the lives of the kids and their parents, and so we had an opportunity to share that truth of the faith. The, the thing I want to just talk about this morning, especially is in relation to the life of Joseph, and we saw how Joseph moved from the prison to the palace, and how God used him in such powerful ways. And just for our understanding this morning, how I want to move you from Joseph to Jesus, and just to recognize clearly how Jesus is pictured, and his work, and his ministry, and his uh, life is pointed to everywhere in the story of Joseph. So the hope that we have in Jesus is the greatest hope. And we find the truest wisdom in God's will revealed to us in Jesus Christ. 
And the forgiveness that we receive in Jesus is the goal of the forgiveness that Joseph already displays long ago. But we receive that in Jesus, and we become the family of faith in Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So we read from Acts 7 this morning because there Joseph's story is mentioned. Now I have to just remind you, often in the Bible, the truth of the Old Testament is referred to in the New Testament. So when you hear the story of Abraham, and in, in Stephen's defense here too, he tells the story of Abraham, and the story of Abraham comes up over and over in the Bible. There's initially the story, and then later on in the Psalms and in the prophets and in the Gospels and in the letters, Abraham is talked about. In case, a little later on in Acts 7, uh, Stephen talks about Moses and the story of Moses. And so that story, too, is talked about elsewhere in the Bible many times. And also in the New Testament, Moses is held up, talked about how God worked in his life. Everything is, is referred to again often. But Joseph, the actual story of Joseph is not mentioned again in the Bible except for a very brief mention in Psalm 105. And then here. This is really the only other place in the Bible where it's mentioned. So it comes to mind initially too, why? Why does Stephen, as he is speaking here in his defense, why does he bring up the story of, Jesus, of Joseph? And the answer is because he understands very clearly how it points directly to Jesus and he is defending the life and ministry of Jesus and God's saving work through Joseph is an example of God's true saving, complete saving work in Jesus. And Stephen wants to make that connection and we have to understand that connection again this morning to fully receive God's grace to us in the Joseph story. So first of all, the, the story of Stephen, just to uh, refresh your memory, Stephen is called in the early church to serve as a deacon. So he's part of the leadership of the early church. And it says, we began reading in Acts 6 verse 8, that he was a man full of God's grace and power and, and he spoke and demonstrated the love of God in Jesus Christ. In doing all of that, uh, there arose opposition. And you wonder, you wonder, okay, why? Why would there be opposition? Well, well, there was opposition even to Jesus himself bringing the good news. So as, as Stephen continues to bring the good news of who Jesus is, what he's done, all that he has said and all that that means, then Stephen himself also is is opposed he is arrested by the same people who killed jesus and then he gets an opportunity to defend himself and it's beautiful when it says here in Acts 6 verse 15 that that he is he is joyful joyful in being given that opportunity it says they saw his face and it was like the face of an angel like he, he, he fully has his trust, his hope in Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And so he's not afraid and he defends uh, what he believes happily, thankfully, sharing that good news. So he tells the story of Jesus, including the story of Joseph, 
and he makes the point, the, the general point, the big picture like Mark was saying, is that God was doing an amazing thing, saving work through Joseph, but his brothers didn't see it, didn't accept it, didn't agree with it. And so that even as now God came in Jesus to do a similar though greater saving work, these, these people who are arresting Stephen, these people who have, have arrested and killed Jesus, they don't see it. They, they haven't understood it. And so it's, it's exactly that similar tendency in us to reject the saving work of God that he's really highlighting. And so in verse 9 of chapter 7, as, as Joseph is sharing with his brothers early in his life that, that God, God has given him a, a, a dream, a sign that, that he will be used by God in a saving way, then the brothers are jealous and that they refuse to acknowledge that he might be the one whom God is using to do a great thing. And then in verse 10, when it says that what, what God actually did, the story of Joseph, uh, that God took him from the prison and, and brought him to the palace of Pharaoh. You, you have to realize that that, that that is unimaginable. That in the actual story of Joseph, that, that Pharaoh, who had the dream, would be told by the, the cupbearer that there was someone in prison who could interpret dreams, and they went and got Joseph and brought him, and, and Pharaoh heard the interpretation, and it was true. I mean, it was, the interpretation was accurate and true, but, but even that Pharaoh would accept it from this prisoner was huge. Why would Pharaoh do that? The, the Egyptians overall kept very separate from Israelites. They, they were not at all of interest to them or of, of esteem. And then that this was a prisoner and that, that, yeah, maybe he got it right somehow about this dream, but that Pharaoh would actually believe it, that Pharaoh would actually raise him up, that Pharaoh would actually make him second highest in Egypt. That's that's unheard of. That's, that's beyond imagining. If you reflect on that story, what Stephen is, is, is pointing to in a similar way is Jesus, who we celebrate at Christmas, born in a manger. Poor, humble, with no, no cause, nothing that would, would stand out. And Jesus' ministry too, up in Galilee and, and speaking to people there and very, very much in the distance, in the background and that, that this Jesus would be then the way God is working his saving purposes was rejected by, by those in Jerusalem and by, by the rest of the Jews and many in Israel because who is this person? I mean, he, he is nothing. He is worthless. He is just the lowest of the low and why should we listen to him? And that reality of, 
of Jesus' birth, his his ministry was was rejected, was denied. But consider this. God raised Jesus from the dead. Though they crucified him, God raised him from the dead. And and he ascended to heaven. And and he is seated at the right hand of God. That's what we believe. And in Acts chapter 7, Stephen ends his defense at the very end of the chapter as he has expressed the truth of who Jesus is, as he has talked about that at the end of chapter 7. It says in verse 53, you have rejected this this person, this Jesus, this But it says in verse 55, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looks up into heaven, right there, as he is making his defense. In Acts 7, verse 55, and by the Spirit, he looks up into heaven and he sees the glory of God and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he says, look, look, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, standing at the right hand of God. Jesus is in the second position, just like Joseph was. God rules over all, but Jesus is the one in that place, given given authority over all the kingdoms of the earth to do what God wants, just like Joseph was raised to that point. It's unimaginable that Joseph actually was raised to that point. And God did a great saving work through Joseph by raising him to that point. Jesus is raised to that point. In heaven, above all things. And he now reigns. And as we come to him hungry, because we, we too live in a world of famine. There is, there is little hope. There is little certainty. If you look at the news, you see all kinds of upset and uncertainty and pain. And, and, and we see the pain, the sadness, even in the loss of a dear member here, of a family, and all kinds of things going on. And you wonder, who's in charge? And what's going to happen? And how, how does this all fit together? And where is God? And the picture is clear. God is doing a saving work through Jesus Christ. And in your hunger for meaning, for forgiveness, in all the uncertainty, all the pain, all the struggle that you and I face, we are called, just like everybody at that time was called, if you are hungry, you go to Joseph and he will give you bread. So for your spiritual hunger, The questions you have, is there a God? How can I know him? How can I relate to him? I know I'm really no good. What can I do? Come to Jesus. He says, I am the bread of life. I can give you forgiveness, peace, hope, the grace, the assurance that you need. Stephen sees that. In the story of Joseph, he recognizes that Jesus has fulfilled in its completeness God's saving work. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, 
I have come that you may have life, abundant life. God's plan of salvation is the good news of the gospel, the good news that we can hear today. Turning our lives to Jesus is the hope that we have. I ask you today, do you know Jesus as your Savior? As the one who came into this world for you to forgive your sins, to give you hope and a purpose. We confess as we did all week, Jesus is God's son, sent to save, sent to give you life and hope and peace. And it's my prayer that you would receive him again today as the Lord of your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, dear Lord Jesus, We see you this morning as the Savior sent from God. We praise you, for you are the one who delivers us from sin and death through your death on the cross. We stand amazed that after your resurrection, you ascended to heaven, and you are sitting right now, the right hand of God the Father, ruling over all things until that great day when you come again in glory to make all things new. Lord, we pray that you would Continue to draw us to yourself. Make your word true to us. We cannot even imagine what you have done and what you still have in store for us. Lord, may we know that a welcome awaits us when we come to you, even as Joseph longed to see his brothers. So you, Lord Jesus, long to see us coming to you in faith. Receive us, we pray, in love. In Jesus' name, amen.